0: Chapter 8 Where's Jenner off to today? Erica asked Mrs. Fensworth as she ate breakfast, just catching Jenner out in the hallway dashing by. It had been a few days since she had a chance to cross blades with him, and she was getting a little anxious. Said he had some business to take care of this morning, and he would return later this afternoon, she replied, taking a napkin and dabbing at the corner of Erica's mouth. I'm not even done yet. Erica squirmed, turning her mouth away from the napkin. A lady should always look her best, was the forthcoming response. From the door to the kitchen, the giggles from Rachel and Jamie could be heard. Erica had come to the conclusion that she was the main source of entertainment for the three. She loved the company, but it made her yearn all the more for her training with Fatima, whose doting was at least conducive to her improved skills with the blade and her footwork. Is there anything else I can get for you, Christian? Coat, shoes, a hand towel?" Although, she thought that Christian might have it worse. Melanie's voice could be heard down the hall, which meant Christian must be somewhere a few steps ahead of her. Whatever talk Miss Fensworth had with the girl, it had curbed only her manner of approach, but none of the forwardness for which she pursued it. Christian managed it as best he could, though, in his defense, there was not much to be done. He had neither ignored her nor encouraged her. Melanie's attention to him had transcended that of a staff maid and bordered on personal servant. In the beginning, Erica had even reprimanded Christian for letting her act in such a manner, but she was quick to see that there was little Christian could even do to turn her from her path, short of outright being rude to her, which was not in Christian's nature. Melanie fawned over him, cleaned up after him, offered to help him with his clothes, picked up after him, set his table setting, offered to serve him food. Christian acted very kind and thankful to her. "Good morning, Erica," Christian said as he entered, making straight for the seat between Erica and the corner of the table. He smiled at her and then realized and then reached to grab a dish of pancakes. "Oh, let me get those for you, Chris." Melanie said, following right on his heels. She started to reach across the table, grabbing the plate herself. "'Melanie, do you know what I would love?' Christian interrupted. "'Oh, what?' she asked, beaming. "'You know those raspberry crepes you make? A couple of those would be excellent.' "Mm, "'Certainly, Chris. I'll be right back.' Melanie spun in place and headed off in the direction of the kitchen. Chris felt a little guilty, but smiled nonetheless when she left the room. A few days ago, Melanie had tried to impress him with her own culinary skills. She had rattled off the dozen or so items she knew how to make, and Christian had tried each one. They had all been quite tasty, but his real goal had not been to sample her cooking. He had counted to himself between each dish she brought out to him, and raspberry crepes by far took the longest to make. He had just bought himself a solid 20 minutes of free time, if yesterday's breakfast was any indication. The majority of those twenty minutes he spent conversing with Erica, and catching up on how her training was progressing, what she was learning, and where she needed help. He hinted at another special training session, promising less bruises. This made Erica giggle, but she said she would have to find the time, as Fatima kept her busy, and she was eager to learn what the woman had to teach. Christian talked about his studies a bit, as he picked about the pancake he had grabbed, eating the oats and pecans out of it. He was hungry and wanted to devour the thing, but he was not so cruel that he would fill up to tell Melanie he was no longer hungry for the crepes she just spent the better part of breakfast preparing. Melanie smiled until she reached the hallway to the kitchen, then sighed and let the corner of her lips droop down. "'Why did he have to fall in love with the crepes?' she said to no one in particular. She was thankful the hallway was empty, so no one had to see her moping about. She thought back to what Miss Fensworth had told her. "'Melanie, you will leave this boy alone and control yourself. He's got enough to deal with without having to protect himself from you,' Miss Fensworth had told her a few days ago. "'Protect,' Melanie said, confused.' Sorry, Melanie, I didn't mean it like that, Miss Fensworth had said, flinching and looking upset with herself. It's just, Christian has been through a lot. He needs a friend right now. You can be his friend, can't you? Melanie nodded. Miss Fensworth had said more, but Melanie got the gist of it. So Melanie had been so kind and helpful to Christian as she could imagine these last couple of days since their encounter in the bedroom. "'If only he hadn't shied away,' she sighed to herself as she entered the kitchen. "'I bet Mother never had these problems.' "'So, Jenner told me this morning that he wants to meet us down at the Rat,' Christian told Erica as they were leaving breakfast. "'You mean it's fixed already?' she asked, sounding full of hope. "'No, I think he just wants to search for clues, or something.' He just said we should head down with Gregory before lunch. Then we could all get a bite to eat out somewhere. Aren't we supposed to be staying inside? Erica asked. That is what I said, Christian added, smiling. But apparently this is an exception. Said it was very important. Hmm, Erica said, looking down at her training outfit. I can't really go out of the city in this thing. I'm going to go practice for a little bit. Then I'll change and meet you down in the carriage room. Okay. While Erica headed to find Fatima, Christian headed off to find Melanie. He had promised her over breakfast to help her with her reading and writing skills. She picked up a fair amount from living with Jenner, but he said he could make her even better at it if she wanted. She had agreed, and now he found himself making his way over to the maid's quarters. He passed Jamie in the hall, who curtsied out of respect as he walked by. He could hear her giggling behind him as he knocked on the door, but when he turned to ask her what was so funny, she was already gone. Huh. He heard the voice from the other side of the door. It sounded like Melanie. It's me, Christian. Can I come in? he offered. Oh, yes, Christian. Come on in. He could hear the excitement in her voice. Their room was not much bigger than his, which he found surprising since it was shared by three girls. It still was quite spacious. They had arranged the furniture so each had a quarter of the room to themselves, closets, armors, and tapestries acting as dividers, while the last quarter was set up with a table and chair and couches, as kind of a small lounge. Christian walked about the lounge area, peering into the other parts of the room. Two of the bed areas were relatively clean, with only a few odds and ends. One had a few extra closets along the wall, making him think it was Rachel's part, seeing as how how she had been here the longest. Jamie's area seemed the most bare, the bed not even having slept in. No blankets or pictures to reflect the dweller's personal tastes or style. Melanie's part of the room had the most character. Her bed had a canopy, which various articles of clothing dangled from overhead. Outfits were covering the floor and most of the surface space of the dressers and couches. He realized in all of the mess there was no Melanie. Melanie! Over here, Chris, a voice came from near the bed, called out. Following the sound of her voice, Christian's eyes found a series of wooden panels that looked to be about six feet tall and maybe a foot or so wide each connected at their sides and a half dozen panels long, forming a makeshift wall. The paneling had various flowers he was unfamiliar with, and the material itself could not have been wood, as it had some transparency to it. He could make out Melanie's profile behind the panels. He blushed as, at least as it appeared through the panels, she was quite naked. He could not make out out any details, but the curves were telling. He cleared his throat. "'Coming,' she said. "'She picked up what looked like a large blanket "'and pulled it up around her shoulders "'before tying something at her waist "'and walking around the side of the wall. "'She was wearing what looked like a robe, "'except it was plastered neck to ankle in what looked like pink and white puffballs. "'Oh, did I come at a bad time?' Christian asked, "'looking at her choice of garment "'with questionable appraisal. "'I was just about to get in the bath. "'What did you want?' she said, smiling. You wanted me to help you with your letters. Oh, was that right now? It completely slipped my mind, she said. I can come back later. Oh, no, you're here. No reason to wait. I hadn't drawn the water yet anyway, she said, making her way past Christian to the lounge. Here, we can work here, she pointed, leaning over and pulling a chair over to one of the tables. He nodded, taking a seat. She sat down in her chair, pulling it up next to him, looking at him and smiling. He smiled back best he could. He continued the smile a bit before he realized all they were doing were smiling at one another. "'Um, we will need paper and quill, or pencil if you have them,' he explained, not seeing any of them at the table. "'Oh, right,' she said, still grinning. She got up and rifled through a cabinet, pulling out some paper and charcoal sticks." Then she came back to the table, sat down, took her seat, and went back to looking at Christian, smiling her sweet smile. Yes, um, well then, let us begin, Christian started, taking one of the pieces of charcoal and drawing out the first letter of the alphabet. How'd the rest of your morning go? Erica asked as she fidgeted in the seat. Much to her disappointment, the most comfortable dress she had found was also the most frilly. Christian watched her fight a losing battle in getting them to lay flat on her skirt. Fine. Taught Melanie some letters and language, though she knows quite a bit already. She must really want to improve, he said, letting his eyes drift to the window of the carriage, watching the people in the streets go about their business. He thought he heard Erica mutter, "Mm -hmm." But when asked, she said she was just annoyed by her outfit's unwillingness to cooperate. "'You look a little strange.' "'Pardon?' Erica said, looking up from her dress. "'No, I mean your hair, the braids. "'The color, I mean,' he corrected himself. "'Oh, drats, I completely forgot.' She grabbed at the end of her twin braids, noticing the jet-black color in contrast to her red and orange dress. "'It's not that bad, is it? "'Everything was dirty. "'It was the only one I tried that would fit.' You didn't look in the mirror before you left, did you? No, I kind of practiced longer than I should have, and it took me forever to find something I wanted to wear. How bad is it? Were you trying dresses on over your practice outfit? Yes, how'd you? Erica's voice trailed off. She lifted the skirt of her dress, turning a shade darker when her training tights became visible under the skirt. I didn't even put shoes on, she noted wiggling her toes through her socks. "'Or comb your hair,' Christian added, leaning forward, using his hands to part and fix her hair a little, pushing the stray strands off of her face and pushing what excess he could behind her ears. "'Thanks, Chris.' "'No worries,' he said, sitting back. He looked at her, then shut his eyes. "'What?' "'It is nothing. I am just tired.' "'Chris?' "'What? I am!' he said in a weak voice. Gregory! Erica yelled, leaning toward the window. You look fine, Miss Erica. They heard the reply from the front of the carriage. Christian bit back a chuckle while Erica just shook her head. She looked at Christian again. It's really nothing. Really. All right. Christian smiled back. He did not have the heart to tell her. He had forgotten to wash his hands after tutoring Melanie. Charcoal sticks all over his fingers. So on top of looking like a disheveled clown, she looked like a disheveled clown with dirt in her hair and stains on her cheeks and face. He prayed Jenner was the only person waiting for them at the rat. They felt the carriage lurch to a halt. Erica, did I drop anything in there when I helped you in? I'm missing my coins. Gregory said, sliding off the front of the carriage seat. I don't think so, she said, popping her head out of the window, looking in his direction. Let me take a quick look. General will have words if he finds out I misplaced my money, he said, making his way around to the side, opening the door and stepping in. You sure that's them? Aye. Good man. Malcolm rubbed his hands together as he spoke with Jenner. Malcolm had wanted to get a look at the kids that they would be going after, so Jenner had arranged this little sighting. "'There, look,' Jenner pointed, drawing Malcolm's attention to the carriage as the driver stopped a few blocks away, stepping off and making his way to the side door. He climbed in, and a moment later, two kids stepped out, watching the goings-on inside the cart." From their smiles, the man inside must have been swearing. Do we know who that man is? Malcolm asked. Just their driver, some hired hand. No one to worry over from what I've gathered, Jenner offered. Good. Simpler the better. Hate it when heroes get in the way. Can't stand heroes myself, Jenner added, watching the carriage. Down the street, the two kids danced out of the way as one, then another cushion came flying out of the door. A few people walking nearby made note of the scene, but no one intervened. Shortly thereafter, the man reappeared from inside the carriage, wearing a relieved look and holding a small bag in one hand. He stepped down, then made room for the two kids to get back in. He picked up both cushions and tossed them back inside. He spoke to the kids for a moment, then climbed back on front, wiping the sweat from his brow as he began urging the horses forward again. All right, so from what I've gathered, this should be easy as cake, Malcolm started, motioning Jenner to follow him as they made their way across the street. Jenner nodded as they made their way through the crowd. So, once this is all over, we... Malcolm began, but his voice was drowned out by a scream from down the road. They both ran in time to see the carriage careening full speed down the street right towards their direction. Bloody luck! Malcolm swore, pushing people forward and out of his way. But the carriage was coming fast, and people had nowhere to go. One merchant, valuing his life more than his wares, let go of a small cart he was pushing and dived for the safety of the buildings. The carriage came on, the horses jumping the abandoned cart, causing the carriage to go up to its side for a moment before crashing back down with a clatter. This caused two things to happen. First, the driver was thrown out of his seat, going over the side into a fruit stand. The second was that the carriage hopped the lane, going up onto the cobblestones where a majority of people, Malcolm and Jenner among them, were fleeing to. You've got to be kidding me, Malcolm said when the horses were mere feet away. Jenner grunted, smashing into Malcolm hard enough to lift him off his feet against a building. Jenner did not fare so well, a charging horse clipping his shoulder as it went by, spinning him like a top. One of his hands went wide, getting caught in the reins as they bounced along, pulling tight around his wrist and dragging him alongside the carriage. "'You fool!' Malcolm said, turning in time to see Jenner getting dragged along beside the loose carriage. Jenner had somehow managed to survive the initial tumble, finding himself being dragged on the ground between the horses." He rolled this way and that, but Malcolm had a hard time seeing more, as the crowd had stopped to look once they were out of harm's way. Blast it all! Move, you twits! Malcolm growled, trying to push his way to the front of the crowd. He made his way to the head of the pack, knocking people aside. He saw the carriage on a direct course for the ruined frame of the rat. The horses took a sharp turn to avoid the building, but the carriage did not. Malcolm cringed as he watched Jenner get dragged sideways, his body sliding in between the carriage wheels. There was a loud cracking noise as the wagon's left front wheel collided with his chest, causing the carriage to pop up into the air and leaning towards the side. The breaking of guides could be heard as the horses turned aside while the carriage went straight into the ruins. Malcolm watched the vehicle go into the air from the momentum of being hurtled up the front steps, Then it went out of view as it went over, descending down into the charred basement of the rat. Curses, was all Malcolm could say, watching the crowd surge forward after the dust cleared. The horses could still be heard running down the street, but all attention was on the rat. Malcolm ran toward the theater when the shock wore off, finding himself alongside the same people he had just been elbowing through a minute ago. Vincent! "'Vincent!' Malcolm yelled from the edge of the ruins as a crowd formed around the perimeter. He pushed through with the rest of the people to where the carriage had cleared a path to the floor that broke away into the basement. He got as close to the lip as he dared and looked over. Wreckage was everywhere, though it was hard to make out if some parts were from the burnt husk of the theater and others the carriage, but it was irrelevant. The thing had smashed to pieces.' "'Vincent!' Malcolm said again, spying Vincent's body face down across the rubble. A large red stain had soaked through his shirt and pants, part of a beam jutting out of his shoulder. No walking away from that. Malcolm looked closer, seeing bits of the dress he had seen the girl in sticking out from under the pile. By this time, a few brave souls had climbed down the sides into the destroyed basement, and were picking through the remains. One man knelt down and peered in, reaching where the dress was sticking out, but stood up a few minutes later, shaking his head. Another man yelled out that he had found someone, then yelled louder when the hand he had found sticking out from the wreckage on the other side came out, attached to an arm but nothing else. Blood matted around the end. The man threw the hand back in disdain. Malcolm was vexed. Vincent had been a decent fence, but on the other hand... The job looked like it had wrapped itself up. Hope they didn't want them alive, he thought to himself as he saw the watch show up, beginning to pull the corpses out of the wreckage. Malcolm gave a little nod to Vincent's body, thanking him for shoving him out of the way, then turned and made his way back through the crowd. You act as if this is bad news, Grant said getting up from behind his desk and making his way over to a locked chest. He crouched down, fiddling with the lock until it swung open, then hefted the lid. I find it most delicious. Vincent was an all-right lad, Malcolm said. Deserved better than to have his chest pop open like a bright fruit. These are the times we live in, Grant said. Best not to have someone with that kind of bad luck working for us anyway." Grant pulled a small bag from the chest, tossed it in the air a few times, listening to the clinking sound from within, then smiled, shutting the chest and replacing the lock. "'Here, this is for you,' Grant said, turning to Malcolm and tossing the bag in his direction. Malcolm reached out a hand and caught it. "'What's this for? I didn't even do anything.' compensation for your time on your failed mission. Never heard that one before. Oh, I have them set aside for a number of jobs, higher-ups and whatnot, Grant replied, making his way back to his desk, taking a pear off a tray and biting into it, letting the juices drip down his lip and chin. You just found yourself in the unusual situation where failure was not synonymous with death. Really? Malcolm ventured, sounding unconvinced. Well, you have spent time researching these poor souls, yes? Malcolm nodded. And you could have claimed you'd off them yourself, set up the whole thing. Yes. I'm not that stupid. A reason you still find yourself in my employ, no doubt. But most of all, you spared me having to deal with that assassin. Malcolm looked thoughtful. You deal with killers and assassins all the time. Was this one that different, he asked, curious. He must work for someone high up, a noble or regent. He knows things no one should know, about things I didn't think it was possible to know about. Maybe he's a majeer as well, Malcolm theorized. No matter, he can be whatever he wants as long as he's not being it here. Well then, what's next? Grant peered up from his pair, regarding Malcolm. I mean, job-wise, man's gotta work, Malcolm explained. Lay low for a few days. I reckon the watch will have questions why a man was tangled up in that carriage's reins to begin with. A man that wasn't driving I know he was new and all, but we didn't know that much about him. Once they've asked all their questions, we swear up down and sideways we've never seen the man before. Then I'll have something waiting for you. There's an art dealer coming into town in a few days, has some items some of our buyers are looking for. Right then, I'll be off. Just give me a holler if you need me, Malcolm said. Grant shook his head laughing almost. I don't know what you see in that place. Every man needs a place to think and clear his head, Malcolm said. He chuckled to himself, hearing Grant's raucous laughter behind him as he left. At least they'll all be together now, Morin said, his heart heavy. He sat in the den at the repulsed mansion. He was attended by Mrs. Fensworth, Mr. Hornoodle, Gregory, and Rachel. Two days had passed since the accident. The watch did what they could, but really, there was nothing to do. No one recognized the man who had been found dead, and nothing could be done for the children. Morn had not been at the scene, preferring not to have seen Christian that way. Instead, he had gone to talk to those involved. "'Do you know what spooked the horses to begin with?' Morin asked. "'If I had to guess, I'd say some passerby got too close, but I didn't see anything, to be honest,' Gregory began. "'One minute I was guiding them along, and the next I'm holding on for dear life.' He rubbed his shoulder, then his neck. "'Then before I could even get them under control, I'm flying through the air. "'I must have hit the ground pretty hard.' "'You were lucky you hit that cart,' Morin offered.' I guess been more lucky if I hadn't got tossed in the first place, Gregory said, but anyways, I came to, and a bunch of people were standing over me. Then the watch showed up. It was all over by that time. Gregory finished rubbing the back of his head. I know Moran said not said, nodding. Just have to get the statement for the official records now and do you recognize the guy they pulled out of the wreckage- the one that got dragged? Never seen him before. Probably just some poor bastard that didn't get out of the way in time. This is weird. No one recognized him, Moran said. How do you mean? Miss Fensworth asked. Well, generally speaking, everybody knows someone. Even criminals got friends. But nobody knew this guy. He had nothing on him but a few coins. Strange is all. Moran got up as if to leave, then stopped. One other thing... As the owner of the carriage here, I'd, I'd like to speak to him as well. Actually, he's been out for more than a few days, Gregory said. Is that normal? Moran asked. Nothing's really normal with Jenner. He comes and goes all the time. Out more than he's in, really. Well, let him know to come down to the watch when he gets back. Just a few questions. Very well, sir. Is there anything else we can do for you? Miss Fensworth asked. Do the kids have any particulars you think they'd want buried with them? Warren asked. Any personal belongings they had here? This was all their belongings, Rachel said, stepping forward, holding a small crate. She set it down. Just a few articles of clothing and Christian's crossbow, Miss Fensworth said. It's best they go with you anyway. Don't need any reminders like that here. Moran picked up the box, nodding. Thanks, all you. You've been very helpful. He walked toward the door, then turned and stopped. Things like this are pretty open and close, but if anything comes up, I'll let you know. Thank you, sir, Mr. Hornulo said, seeing the watchman out. After the man left, Mrs. Fensworth let out a sigh, sitting down. "'Is this it, then?' she said to no one in particular. "'It'll be a little quieter and a little colder here without those two children around,' Mr. Hornoldlow agreed, sitting down next to Miss Fensworth and putting an arm around her. "'I hope Jenner gets back soon. "'This kind of stuff makes me uneasy,' Gregory said, stretching. "'He got up and left, leaving Madeline, Cairnsby, and Rachel to themselves.' Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle Store for the low price of $3 a piece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at josephporthos or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.